Hey, what's going on, everybody? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by CBDmedic.com. Yes, CBD Medic, ladies and gentlemen, you are getting older, I'm getting older, and I have aches and pains, and you have aches and pains. Just a fact of life, we can't slow this thing down, but we can feel good about it. Ladies and gentlemen, CBDmedic.com has a lot of great, great, great things out there for you right now. I suffer myself from anxiety, depression, a lot of different things that are going on. I've talked about this on the podcast many times, but I've never really talked about my aches and pains. Yes, I do have aches and pains too. Like I said, I'm 37 years old. I'm getting older and it's really hard to kind of feel like myself again. But CBD Medic has the perfect, perfect things for you and it really helped change my life. Got a nice box of things in the mail, just really cool things I started really messing around with. And they had this cream that's supposed to help with inflammation. Rubbed some of my upper left shoulder and I fell asleep like a baby. Within minutes, this thing had me feeling great again. Took away the pain, really soothed everything, and I felt great. They also have this vapor rubbish kind of uh, material. You know the vapor rub when you were a little kid, you felt sick. Your mom would rub it on your chest, rub it on your uh, upper lip or whatever, and you breathe it in. This kind of uh, product that they have here is really good because what it does is it gives you the effect of CBD with just inhaling it. It's really cool. They got different flavors. Mint is my personal favorite because I like the smell of mint. I like the taste of mint. And with this, I rub it on my upper lip at night, and I'm inhaling the fumes of CBD all night long, so it's constantly giving me a fix. And that's one of their more popular products. It's definitely my favorite one. That's the one I use every single night. I'm probably going to put it on after I finish this commercial because it really makes me feel good. It, it helps to soothe the mind, soothe the soul, and really good stuff. And the cool thing about CBD Medic is they're very affordable. And it's going to get more affordable because they gave me, the nerd, a nice code for all of you out there to feel better about yourself and to buy as many products as you can right now in these difficult times. What better way to feel, you know, stress-free and just to feel good about yourself than to try some of these products out? Go to the website, cbdmedic.com, and use our code VOMPODCAST10. Yes, that's VOM, short for Voices of Misery, PODCAST10. And you will save 10% off any order, no matter how big or small the order is. You can save 10%. There's no risk to any of this stuff because you will buy more and more and more every single month. They will show up at your door with a nice box of feel-good materials. And you're going to thank the nerd. Just please tell them I sent you by saving some money. Why the hell not? Who doesn't want to save money? Use our code VOMPODCAST10 and there you go. You're welcome. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Podbean.com. Ladies and gentlemen, who doesn't have something they want to say? Who doesn't have something they want to talk about? The thing about Podbean is they give you a voice unlike any other. They give you your own free voice where you can basically talk shit. You can say whatever the hell you want uncensored. These people are not like the mass media that's out there right now. They give all the independent producers, podcasters, and whatever the hell you consider yourself as a a, a premium platform a premium place to sit there and just talk whatever shit you want to talk about and reach millions of people across the planet there's no limitations to this ladies and gentlemen say whatever the hell you want podbean is a great place we've been with them for a very long time now we've hit many downloads many hundreds of thousands of downloads we're on our way to one million it's a very cool place to just sit there and talk your shit we would never go anywhere else got a really close relationship with these people they're very cool and they gave us a very nice deal to give to all of you guys. And I just want to talk about this real quick. Uh, if you've ever wanted to start your own podcast but were too afraid to, there's no better time than now. Podbean is just giving away shit. Um, the thing about this is we've been doing this, like I said, for a very long time. And I found out about them 
just by browsing the internet. And I'm like, you know what? This place looks good. We believe in them. Reached out to some people that are in Podbean, like actually, you know, work with the company and very good customer service, very responsive. Uh, just really made some great connections there. And I can't stress how much I love these people enough and just really cool friendships, just things that have happened in Podbean that, you know, we've been featured there for Jesus as long as I can remember even podcasting and we're still featured to this day. And it's just been a really amazing experience. We owe a lot to Podbean and yeah, it's just been a really cool thing there. And yeah, it's just, it's just been great, but they were fortunate and their success and they pass it down to all of you. They have many different things going on right now and way too much to even name in a little commercial spot here, but they gave us a special code to give you guys a chance to be a part of the Podbean family. Use the code VOM podcast one zero. That's something you're going to type in the URL. It's not just a special code at the checkout screen or anything like that, because this is not about money. They want to give you a chance to do something even better with the voice that you have. They want you to get it out there and talk to the masses. So this is a, a web address, www.podbean.com slash VOM podcast one zero. Use that. It will take you to a special place where you can get five. I mean, it's unbelievable to say this out loud, but you get five free hours of podcasting. And afterwards, if you use our code, you get the first month half off if you want to pay for more premium space after that. It's amazing. It really is. And I love Podbean. I, I can't say it enough. I love this platform. I could name drop, but I'm not going to. Some of these people out there are really good. They know who they are. And I'm going to send this commercial to them so they know how special I think these people are and how special I feel they are to me. And the Nerdette. We love them so much. But VOM Podcast 10 is what you type in after Podbean.com. Do the slash VOM Podcast 10 and get your voice heard, ladies and gentlemen. Enough sappy stuff. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am very excited today because I have a special guest on, and she is phenomenal. Very cool person, even though we did get off to a little bit of a rocky start because I'm an idiot. You, you, you guys know this. I'm not very good with technology and things like that and plugging things in and hitting record and start buttons, but she's been very patient. Very cool lady. Um, she wears many hats. She's got many jobs, and she's also a brand new podcaster out there, and Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to throw her name out there, Michelle Simone Miller. It just rolls off the tongue. Very nice lady. Very easy on the eyes. And hopefully you guys appreciate her and just everything that we're going to talk about today. I think we're going to have a good episode. How you doing, Michelle? I feel great. How are you? You know what? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I, I made myself look like a fool already. Oh. You've been doing this. <laughs> no, listen, this is this is something I've done. I mean, I, as you said, I'm a new podcaster as well. So I've only been doing this for a couple months and this has happened to me. So you're in good company. <laughs> I feel completely fine with this. It makes me feel better that I've done this before. And so no worries. But the thing is, is you've only been doing this for a couple of months now. I've been doing this for going on almost two years now. I shouldn't be making these mistakes anymore, Michelle. Uh, no shoulds, no should nots. I mean, we all are human. I, it's totally fine. It makes me feel better. So it's all good. Well, 
You are very kind uh, oh. to, to sit there and, and, and make me feel a little bit better about myself. But <laughs> something interesting we were talking about before we even went on air here and something I, I think will be kind of interesting to just kind of get on here as like an icebreaker kind of deal yeah. was you had your video going and I didn't. And the thing was, you're like, oh, you know, it, it, it's awkward. I'm going to turn my, mine off. And, <laughs> and, and and I was explaining to you, I was like, you know what? We haven't ever done video. My wife and I have been doing the show now for almost two years. And we started talking about it. I'm like, you know, let, let's save it for the shows. I think this would be a good place to start here. Yeah. And why we don't do it is because of cancel culture. And when we first started our podcast, there was growing pains, obviously. And we were, you know, getting like maybe 10 downloads a, a day if we were lucky. And then the thing kind of grew organically just by doing what you're doing, just putting out shows and hustling, going on other shows and just talking to people. And my biggest fear was if we ever hit a point where you start making a little something, which we have. Yeah. Someone coming out there, they might disagree with what you say. They might want to come after you in some way. They might dox you or cancel you. Being in your industry, <clears throat> being an actress, uh, being a, a model, we're going to get onto all that stuff. And now, yeah. do you have any apprehensions? You know, I don't. And I don't know if that's completely wrong of me. I, I I don't have a thought about it because I just feel good about what I put out there. And I don't think I'm going to put anything out there that I feel embarrassed by or feel like I, I mean, there's different parts of cancel culture, obviously, as you know. So like if a few people cancel me, not a big deal. Right. Who cares? There's more people. Sure. If it becomes like the next trending Twitter topic of what I've said and I'm not able to move around that, that's different. I mean, I'm hoping I'm not going to say anything that's like going to allow my other jobs to cancel me. Right. But I, I think in my head, I'm first of all, so much like I'm so used to being on camera. Right. That's so much a part of my life anyway, that adding on a camera component to this stuff. I mean, I've been recording video for most of my episodes, even though I haven't done anything with them yet. I'm eventually maybe going to put them on YouTube. Uh, but in general, I feel like I don't know. There's something nice about being able. To, this is great, too. There's also pros of just having a voice and having a conversation with two people and not having to be distracted by other things. But on the flip side, there's also pros about seeing someone and being able to like connect with them one on one, even if you don't use that video for anything. Um, <laughs> so I've seen both. I'm trying out different things, mind you. I'm, like I said, I'm still new. But I, I suppose, you know, with, with regards to cancel con culture, I just I just guess I don't worry about it. I think to myself that, like, you know, I trust what I'm going to say and I try to put good stuff out there. And I, I guess unless I, I feel like unless someone really says something racist or homophobic or something that they can maybe not come back from in a few years uh, or today, then I, I don't think there's anything that's so bad that you can't recover from. So, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. You know, that's kind of debatable nowadays. I feel yeah. like you don't have a certain ideology that you're not allowed back into the club. It's like you make that one mistake and you're finished, depending on what side of the fence you fall on politically. Yeah. Now, uh, something I did want to ask you about, because like we've had actors and actresses on the show. We've had people that are in the industry, but I've never asked them this one question. It's just yeah. something that I've been noticing a lot lately. Um, why does... like? All the actors that I see on social media and Twitter, they all seem to lean a certain way. They all seem very liberal. Mm. 
And if you're not on that side of the fence, essentially you don't get cast anymore. There's um, a couple of really uh, big name actors or used to be big name way back when, like James Woods, uh, Dean Kane, Chrissy yeah. Swanson's another one. They they tend to lean red as far yeah. as their blood moves. Why is that? It's a good point. I, I'm one of those people that really try hard to not, like you kind of said, just cancel anyone because of a difference of opinion. Um, I think that when people get really, and, and granted, listen, there's some people who will get mad over the smallest stuff. So you can't really like think about those people's opinions too much because they're just extreme about any which way. But I feel like, I, I think a lot of it has to do with maybe because Hollywood has so much, um, like, you know, if you think about like the social issues that come with being blue, right, with being Democrat, I think that there's just more of those conversations that are had um, in Hollywood or in film, TV industry and in theater. Right. You're going to see more people who are gay. You're going to see more people, you know, of different uh, races and ethnicities. And I think maybe the social issues that come with being blue um, tend to kind of you know, makes sense for people in the industry to kind of go that way. And there are exceptions and there's still exceptions. There's still people who, you know, it's not completely across the board, Democrat and blue in terms of politics. But I think people lean more towards that way because of that. Um, I don't, like I said, believe that like people should cancel anyone completely for themselves unless it's something super extreme, right? Like if you're going to murder a bunch of people, let's cancel that person, right? Sure. Um, or if, you know, like, certain things I'm like, I don't want to take away from that. But I think that might be part of it. Does that answer the question a little bit? Like, I think it just has to do with socially that those things come across more. I think there are people oh, who definitely. are Republican who are... Um, in the industry also, though, and they just don't talk about it quite as much. And I think that beca that's because, like, conservatively, they believe in, in, you know, Republican politics. They'll be like, they'll believe in a smaller government. They believe, you know, they just, uh, there's a bit more religion that comes with it. There's a bit more that has to do with, like, you know, the army and all that. Like, there's certain things that they'll, and they'll just maybe either keep their opinions to themselves as much or... Um, you know, because of probably what you're saying, there's a bit of a cancel culture with everything these days. Now, you've been acting for a while now, and, and yeah. we're about to get into that. But I do want to ask you something now, because uh, you, you did pique my interest with something. And you're saying yeah. you know, a lot of Republicans are people that may be Republican in, in the acting industry. Uh, are there private conversations that go on like, hey, you know, we can't say this or maybe we have to act a certain way. And basically I'm saying, are a lot of these people fake out there that are putting out these social media, like rah, rah uh, messages on Twitter. Do you think they're, they're oh, just trying to protect their career? Question. Or, or maybe a little bit, but I think for the most part, if you're that outspoken and rah, rah, I, I think the chances of you lying about it are slim. I, I could be wrong. There might be people who are overcompensating and just want people to be like, okay, you know, socially that I'm this way and it's fine. I think for the most part, you know, they're just really like certain people are really passionate about politics, regardless of what industry you're in. And I think it just happens that a lot of people in Hollywood have very big social media accounts. And so <laughs> like, they're just the t like, I'm not someone who really talks about my politics. I mean, you can ask me about whatever. I don't care. But in terms of like out being outspoken on purpose or like finding ways to share my politics, I tend to not. And that's just my personal opinion. And I don't care. like it doesn't matter what industry I'm in. That's not something. I readily need to talk about. Like if I'm asked, I'm totally fine with talking about it, but I'm not going to put out political statements or tweets or posts because it's just not me. I don't need to do it. I don't mind having the conversation, but I don't need to shout it from the rooftops. So 
I think it just depends. I think a lot of people who are in the industry just have huge platforms, and if they're very political, they're gonna they're gonna talk about it every two seconds. Oh yeah, for sure. They never shut up, and they enforce their <laughs> on you almost, and then you know, yeah. certain situations. But you started young, and, yeah. and I was doing some research. I had more fun doing research on this podcast than I've had in a very long time doing research Aww. with anyone I've had one because. I found out some very interesting things about you, and uh, <laughs> I wanted to just, just jump right in, in, into this one here, and I was Please. watching some of your reels, right? Thanks, yeah. You are a, a, a hand model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get discovered? Like, are, like, oh, are, like, are you just there and they're like, hey, you got nice fingers? <laughs> yes, you know, it's kind of a little bit of that. So so it, it was for, through an audition, right? So I got my, you know, my manager, I think, sent me on an audition at a casting office, a prominent casting office. And they were like, oh, this one's for hand modeling. And I'd never done it before. So I was like, okay, I'll make sure I'll get a manicure, I guess, because <laughs> that's not my normal thing. But I know they're going to see my hands. So I go in, I have my manicure done. And mind you, like I bite my nails, which is not great as a hand model. Um, so I try not to do that around the time I think I have an audition or a job. But that being said, they're fine. You know, like my hands are nice. My nails are like, eh, they're all right. Because um, I'm a normal person and things happen. So um, I got a manicure. They like looked pretty short, but they were done. You know, they had some color to them. And when you go in for that kind of audition, they basically, they don't see your face. They just look, they have the camera centered on your hands and you're just asked to do things. So they'll be like, oh, can you pick up this phone? Can you pick up this drink? Can you do that? But can you also make sure your fingers are spread out a little bit? Can you do that, but also make sure that the thumb is holding this this particular spot um and so whatever they ask you to do and in this case i've done most of my hand modeling stuff was for samsung right i did like 10 or whatever commercials for them and yeah that was so it was mostly having to do with the phone and so they kind of want to a see your hands and then b um figure out if you're like easily directable like if they can tell you to do x y and z and you're able to do it and you don't hesitate you don't worry about what that means you just kind of do it so I think that's how I got that. But it's funny because so one thing I love talking about with hand modeling is that they they still give you characters as a hand model. So when you get to set, they have like a whole studio still, right? The whole shebang, except they have hair and makeup just for your hands, not hair, but they have makeup just for your hands and they have a stylist, stylist just for your arms. So they give you characters based on what your hands look like. So if someone like I remember one girl, she's super, super goth. Like that's just her thing. She was an actress who's, you know, very goth comes in, but her hands are very dainty, like these beautiful white dainty hands. And they gave her like these sleeves and these like nails that were super pretty girly, just like, you know, have all these jewel, like, you know, they they'd give you jewelry and like bracelets maybe. And they made her very girly, but the rest of her super goth, but she didn't need to worry about the rest of her. She could still be herself and just her hands need to be dainty and girly. Um, so they give you characters based on what your hands look like. So I thought that was funny. So you can basically show up to one of these these uh, these uh, roles, and as long as your hands look good, it doesn't matter what the rest looks like. So you can show up there with like hair rollers on. You could wear like a like yep. a white either shirt, sweatpants, or like as long as your hands look good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes they'll give you like a shirt. Sometimes they'll just give you sleeves. Sometimes you don't need any of that. You just don't. But you kind of need to make sure that your hands are in good shape. I was never one of those people that like 
does the like crazy, like I've, I've looked people up who are like professional, like just consistently work as hand models. Oh yeah. Um, they're super, and, yeah. They're super, they moisturize all the time. They're very careful about what they do with their hands. Um, they don't do very much else with their hands for fear that it'll, you know, scar or do something. I mean, like I said, they have makeup on set for your hands. So if you have a scar that's showing or you have whatever, um, I, I've seen some of their videos. Like I remember one advice they had, which I did not do mind you, but because it sounds ridiculous, but like, you know, whatever, <laughs> each is their own. But they like made sure they held their hands in a certain way so that the blood rushed out of their hands. And so their veins didn't kind of pop out on camera. Um, so I didn't do follow that, but it was really, my thing was super fun. I had great times with all the commercials that I've been on for hand modeling. And, um, you know, there's something really funny about like coming to set, no makeup, no hair, just like, I was wearing not pajamas, but like something really casual. And, mm -hmm. you know, occasionally, like I said, they had me wear a different shirt with like long sleeves, but normally they would just decorate my wrists and my hands with like rings and watches and bracelets. And they give me cool manicures. Like I, some of my manicures were like super elaborate. They had some really cool professional manicurists that didn't do just like normal things. They did like crazy designs. They also would give you fake tattoos. They would draw fake tattoos oh. on your hand, depending on your character, essentially. So there's something really fun about that. Now, how do you brag about something like that? Because, <laughs> I mean, if I was on any kind of form of TV show, I would want to brag to my friends and be like, hey, this is the part. This is the part. How do you do that with your hands? <laughs> you know, it's hard because, like, for example, one of my commercials aired on a like you know those jumbotrons in Times Square that like is essentially a video just going on a loop. So uh -huh. my commercial was on a loop in Times Square, and I was like, how do I tell people that like wait wait for it wait for it wait those are my hands, you know? <laughs> and and then wait again wait oh you didn't see it hold on it's coming back it's coming back wait wait that's it those are my hands again. So um, you know it's a weird thing to talk about. I I you know I put that reel together for my manager, the one that's on my website, and it's just like a bunch of clips of different hands, like my hands in different commercials and stuff. But it's this odd thing because you're like, yeah, that's a commercial. You don't think about that when you watch like a phone commercial or you watch like a Coca-Cola commercial. There's someone who had to pick up that Coca-Cola can, pick up that you know, um, that phone. And, and it's interesting how they do it too, because they ask you to hold weird positions. It's not like you just go on your phone and you like click a couple buttons. These mm -hmm. phones that they give you are completely black, right? And they have to tell you what to press and you have to just remember because it's not on. They have to superimpose mm -hmm. the actual image in post-production. So you're like clicking on stuff on the phone that's not there. You just have to remember this is the order. You have to wait a couple seconds, go to the next one, wait a couple seconds, maybe scroll down one. You have to remember a list of things to do. And then on top of it, you have to hold your phone sort of in a weird way that you wouldn't normally hold it because it looks good, mm. but it might not actually be what you would normally do because you have to hold it in a way that the camera sees your hand but doesn't see your body. So it's a very interesting job. I don't know how I brag about it. I think I just did it and people would be like, that's weird, but like cool, but like interesting. And uh, those are your hands. Got it. Okay, cool. It's a weird uh, thing. No, I, I think that's really cool. But I mean, we are so programmed onto our phones and just devices in general. I mean, I'm sure it's just muscle memory. People do that with their eyes closed, probably just know where the buttons are and everything. Unless yeah. you're not a Samsung person. Do they let you I'm keep not. the not. They don't, which I thought was very annoying. I think that one 
person, I don't know if I think it was a kid who was on the set. I think it was his birthday. And I think he got something as like a, a gift, as like a birthday gift. And I was like, why isn't my birthday falling on this job? But aside from that, no one got any of the devices because all the devices were a not working, right? Because they were all um, off and and. But yeah, there were demos because these phones hadn't come out yet. So you still had to sign like NDAs saying that you wouldn't tell people about the cool feature that you're promoting because it wouldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't out yet. It wasn't available. These were commercials that were being done ahead of time. So they can't give you the phones yet because a, you're right, they're demos, and b, like they're not up for, they're not in the marketplace yet. Now, what got you into acting? What got you into show business in the first place? Because I saw that you were on the Rosie O'Donnell show. I was. My sister was obsessed with that show. She used to shoot those foosballs or the the couch things in the crowds and whatnot. Every day she used to watch it. How did you get into that? Like, like how, how did you get into the Rosie O'Donnell show twice? Yeah, so that was fun. I was on two episodes, yeah. Um, when I was five or six, I started taking drama classes. I think it was like a mandatory thing that everyone in my elementary school did. Uh, I went to a public school in New York City. And they had this drama class, and I loved it. And I think eventually joined the drama club. And I think around six or seven... I was told by someone, or maybe I overheard it. I remember the exact moment I found out people could do this as a career. Like that fun thing I do in school. I, and I made this like resolution to myself, I'm going to do that. And it never wavered. Like, I don't know. People kept saying, oh, you're going to get over it. You're only like six. And I was like, watch me. Um, and never let it go. And uh, the Rosie O'Donnell show came about because that same drama teacher, I, I don't know how she did it, but she, so she was the, she, she's no longer with us, unfortunately, oh. but she, her brother is actually a relatively famous actor. He was on sex in the city for many, many years. And um, I, I think maybe through that connection or through something else, I don't know exactly how, but she was able to choose maybe like eight kids or 10 kids from the school in various grades to be on the show. And for some reason I got chosen. So I was one of those eight kids and we were able to go to the set. I think the set also came to our theater class. So we did it in both on both places and we got like goodie bags afterwards and we got to meet her. And it was just like a very cool experience. It was very nice. I got like my shirt that was like very oversized for my age, but I have <laughs> pictures of it. I was so happy. And they gave us all these little like cute giveaways, good, cute toys. And um, that's kind of how I got into that. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, so you're a, a kid and you meet Rosie O'Donnell. Do you even know who she is at this point? Cause, cause, cause you're, you're young, obviously. I mean, like yeah. what do you think is going on? It's like, do you think all kids are going through this or do you know that you're special at this point? Like you have these, opportunities? <laughs> I think both. I think I, it wasn't that I knew her very well. I don't remember watching a lot of her shows, but the whole experience was so exciting because you got to go to a real set. Like I'd never had anything to compare that to prior to. So like I'd go around and be like, oh my God, there's so many cameras. Like this is something people do. There's a green room. What's a green room? I was being explained what a green room was. Like everything was just so alive and electric and exciting. And um, so I didn't know her quite as well, though I do think I probably saw a couple episodes around that time for the first time. but the whole thing was just very exciting. Like I didn't need to know who she was to know to know how big of a deal it was to be on. Well, that's. I mean, I would have killed for something like <laughs> that. that. That's so cool. And you know, something else I wanted to ask you was like, what happens next? I mean, like you, you get that taste. You're on national TV. 
what happens next? Because obviously you didn't give up your dream and, and you, you know, you, you, you've been in things. We're going to get into that too. What happens next? Was there ever a time where maybe like you doubted yourself a little bit? Like, Hey, is this what I really want to do? Or this was always your thing. I, it, you know, it was always my thing. If, if any doubt creeped in, it would have been on the down moments that are kind of inevitable in any acting career in the last few years is being doing it professionally. You're kind of like, sometimes you're just like, wait, should I try something else? Like, you know, but that we could talk about after. But when I was a kid, no, I had complete resolve that this was going to be okay. I think I told that same acting teacher I would thank her in my Oscar speech. Like I just <laughs> had no sort of qualms. I was like, this is a hundred percent. And it, and what was weird is although I was chosen for the Rosie O'Donnell show and although I was in like all the productions and stuff, I didn't get like a main role until like my last year in elementary school. You know, like I left in at the end of fourth grade. So fourth grade was the, the year I got my first pretty good role in a show. So it wasn't like I was in like leads on it and everything. I wasn't that girl. So it's funny to think that someone who like I was very nervous for auditions um, when I was a kid. And so when I would go in for the like La Rosie O'Donnell show, they just gave me. So I didn't have to try out for it. And, uh, and I, and once I got the, once I get any job, I'm fine. Like, I just feel very comfortable. I'm like, okay, great. I got this. They, you know, we're doing it. Sure. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, when I was a kid, I would audition for like these school shows and I'd get so nervous and I wouldn't get a big role, which I didn't understand. I was like, I thought I would get the lead, but then I'd like, you know, choke in auditions and but I still just was like a hundred percent, I'm going to be an actress. Like it never occurred to me that that wouldn't happen. And, um, and then fast forward to when I was 11, I was in my junior high, separate junior high, it was a smaller school. And uh, I auditioned for a show that came into our school, like this one director came to our school because it was a show about the Holocaust and we were a Jewish school. So they cast people from our show and then they rehearsed in that school and I didn't get a role. <laughs> I, didn't, I, got a, I got an understudy for a role. Oh, and that same show was then taken to Off-Broadway and we had separate auditions for the Off-Broadway performance. And I was the only one in that show to get an actual role. And I got the role that I had originally been the uh, understudy for. So something changed. I don't know what it was, but I was a different girl. I'd gone to every rehearsal as an understudy. And then we did the separate show and no one from that previous show that I was just an understudy for got into the um, got into the bigger professional show, just me. And I felt like it was my opportunity to shine. So then I was on this off-Broadway show for a while. And that was my, I, that's what it felt like. It felt like this was my first professional experience. I was going home from school every day and going straight to like rehearsal and going straight to a show. And we did like 16, we did like, what was it? Like 16 shows in two weeks. It was insane. Um, and I was 11. So I was like, no, maybe I was 12 at that point. But I just remember thinking like, oh, this is, this is big. This is not a school show anymore. Like I'm, I'm being paid for this. Not a lot, mind you, but I was being paid and I took that and ran with it. Now, how was school? Okay. Because you're, 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 you're 11, 12 years old. You know, you, you did the Rosie O'Donnell thing. People like in school probably like, Hey, Michelle's on TV. She's a big star. You know, they probably see you and they think of you differently. Did you ever deal with any jealousy or anything like that? Or were kids normally pretty cool when like you disappear for a little um, while or something? Yeah. Well, so in elementary school, no one, I think batted an eye. I think people maybe were jealous if they weren't chosen. And so I got some of that, but I didn't really feel 
or at least didn't knowingly feel it was because of the show. Because like I said, it was only two episodes and and a few of us were chosen. So it wasn't like I was the only one. Sure. Um, and so if I, if I noticed, I didn't notice anything in particular, at least I didn't attribute it to that. Maybe I'm, maybe in retrospect, it was related. Um, in junior high, when I was chosen for the soft Broadway show, there's just, you know, I don't know if you talk to any girl. I feel like junior high is like, I always feel like for girls, junior high is where the bullying happens. And then like mm-hmm. in high school, maybe for guys, it's more bullying. Um, but like in junior high, you know, I have some stories. And I don't know how much was related to the acting stuff. Some of it could have been. Um, some of it might not have been. It's not like they, they would bully me and then they'd say, oh, it's because of this. I was always known as the actress for the school. So I think that maybe or something or another could have led to it but i don't th- i don't know if there was any correlation i don't think people really ever talked about it they weren't like making fun of me about it because i was in a show or i was on the rosie o'donnell show I, if anything i was upset that like more people didn't go see the show like i thought more people should have supported it i remember my science teacher went to see my the off broadway show and i was so just so grateful to him i was like how come no one else wants to see it you know how come no one else wants to support me so I got some of that, but I always will remember that he went. There's something weird about men and women, especially when you're in that age group, because like you were saying, it does happen to men in high school a lot more, the bullying thing. But mm-hmm. I feel like as a guy, when you're growing up, you're always testing other guys. It's like there's this alpha mentality. Oh. I have to be the top dog. But with women, I find women are more petty and we have a lot of women listeners. I don't want to just, you know, make women sound. No, home. no. You're speaking but, generally, so I hear you. Oh, yeah. But like you being a pretty girl who is, you know, doing something that other women wish they could do, but don't have the opportunity because, you know, there's things outside of their control. You don't have, you know, good looks. You don't have good genes. You don't have a, a strong personality. That's why I would see more people giving you some sort of a pushback as you're maturing in life and going through schooling and and you have these opportunities and things like that. Do you notice that a lot when you go on auditions, like maybe someone looks at you and you're like, hey, why can't I be like her or, you know, like she got the role because she's prettier than me or things like that. Have you ever noticed that? Um, You know, so, yeah, so there's it's, it's sort of a twofold answer, I feel like. I was just talking to my mother about this last night. I think it came up randomly about like just the bullying stuff I went through. And I mean, people would make fun of me for being too thin. Like I remember feeling too thin when I was growing up because people would tell me I looked like a tree. I had branches, just stupid stuff. And at the time, I just didn't know that it would come from a place of maybe jealousy or being upset. You just don't realize that as a kid. So that might have been part of it. My mom like would do as much as she can to kind of alleviate that. Like I remember... She had my friends over and she said something to them like, uh, no, she said something to me like, Michelle, you know, um, that lady from Vogue called. She wants to set up a shoot. And it was completely false. Like no one from Vogue called. And I didn't really know what she was going at, but I was like, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. Like whenever, whatever. And, you know, they were like, my friends were like, oh, my God. And these are the same friends who would make fun of me for being thin. And they were like, oh, my God, Michelle's going to be on Vogue. And, you know, my mom's like, yeah, she got a call. She got, you know, she, they want her on Vogue and in Vogue. And I think we should do it. And they were like, oh, yeah, she should totally do it. She's so pretty. She's so great. She has such a great body. And I was like, I've never heard them say this. And it like even till today will make me a little emotional remembering just how different. I just didn't like my body or my looks as much because, 
you know, they'd make fun of me for not having boobs. They'd make fun of me for my weight. They like, it just didn't, I didn't have a positive self image because of that stuff. And I don't even hold it as much against them anymore now. Cause I feel like people are just, you know, they, they, they work with the tools they have in terms of today. Um, and what I see, I don't notice that quite as much because maybe it's because on purpose, I just try to surround myself with friends who are super supportive, like other actors who only want me to do well and believe, like I believe that there's enough to go around that if I get something like, and, and that'll, that'll be the case. Like if I get an audition and I think my friend will be good for it too, I will send her the audition be like, you should talk to your representation about getting this audition. You'd be great for this too. And my thought is, if I'm not supposed to get it, I'm not going to get it. Like, if, if it's not for me, if this girl's supposed to have, I'd rather, if it doesn't go to me, I'd rather she get it. So sure. why would I not bring her into the fold? And I've, I've gotten friends' parts that way. That's very interesting that you say that because, like, we had a, a, an actor on. that He's been on a couple of times. We're actually mutual friends with him on Twitter, John oh. Tech. John um, who? John, his name is John Tegg. He, he, he's oh, been familiar. on like a lot of different like, like shows and whatnot, but we had him on the show and he was telling me, and we kind of clicked on this aspect here where it feels like in Hollywood, it's like, oh my goodness, like you'll, you'll be flicking through the trailers. You see the same, like Leonardo DiCaprio, Will Smith. It's like, why are there the same small sorority of actors? Yeah. Do you find it hard to kind of break in? to that mold because it's like these people are all getting the same roles. It seems like the same people are in the same things all the time. They're in everything. How do you show up to an audition and make yourself stand out because you're just another pretty face and all these pretty faces? What do you you do? Yeah. I honestly, that's the best question you can ask an actor because essentially, and I learned this right away, like right at when I got out of college, I remember I saw an article that Johnny Depp was quoted in of all people. And he was saying, something along the lines of like, you have to find something that you do for a role that's different than everyone else. And once I found that I was able to book consistently and I didn't understand what that meant. Like in theory I did, but I was like, well, what could I do that's different than anyone else? And I think for a few years I was trying to come up with that and you have to figure out what, you know, and I had friends, like I've one, I knew one guy from class years ago. He, he works all the time he's in movies commercials television shows big 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 roles and you know you might not know him right away but you'd be like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i remember that guy like he was in um what was that movie uh god what's the ryan reynolds movie that's the superhero movie deadpool Deadpool. he's the main character in deadpool so you know he does he works all the time and i remember talking to him and he was saying to me too he was like you have to find something that's like your niche like he does all these roles where he plays someone with like an indian accent or like an indian type role and he, he doesn't even have that driver, thing. He? he's the driver oh he's my the God. driver and he's in so guy. much stuff i know i love that guy i mean i love <laughs> him too but like i don't i haven't talked to him in years mind you but i remember when i did reach out to him about it that's what he said to me and i I, I thought that was such an interesting point. I'm like, listen, you know, you do one thing and you do it well, you can work for a long time. You know, eventually you'll do something else, but you have to find something that you do that's different. And I think because I went in thinking like, oh, you know, I, I've got some looks and like, I've got this and I'm young, like you can give me these type of roles, but that only lasts you so long. Like at some point, all that stuff is still there. It doesn't mean that like, that's not stuff that helps me in my acting career. I'm not going to say that, but I will say you have to find something you can bring to the role that you're given that that you would do differently than other people. And you have to kind of learn how that is. A lot of it has to do with 
like getting to know yourself, like doing a lot of like human, like evolving, just like getting to a point where you're really connected to who you are. And if like you read a script or a scene, you're able to follow your instinct. Like, Oh, what if I did that there? What if I did this look that I always give my friends that like, is kind of a silly look. Or what if I add a word right there that I say all the time to make it really casual and authentic to me? Or what if I like, you know, throw this in there that like maybe is a little different and it might just be subtle, but it, it sets you apart from other people who are reading the same lines. Like the casting directors who see these parts, they can see anywhere from 10 to 30 to 40 people for the same role. And so, you know, they're seeing the same thing over and over again. And I've been on that side with them. I've been a reader for what's called a reader for many big casting directors. And so what that means is I read with whoever's auditioning for a role. So I've seen the same people, the different people come in for the same role. And you see the people who get it are the people that take the same thing and elevate it. They just somehow feel comfortable enough to be like, let's play. I, I can give you this. And you'll be like, ooh, I like that. I didn't know I needed that. It's not in the script to do that. Um, and sometimes that doesn't work. Sometimes, you know, the casting director will be like, I like what you did, but let's do this instead. You kind of have to be like, great, I'm going to throw whatever it is I had and do whatever you said, and I have to be flexible. So I think that, like, yeah, that's a big part of it. No, that, that, that's a great answer because I was wondering this because I was watching The Hangover. Uh, yeah. The- who, who's that one guy from The Hangover? Uh, Zach Galifianakis. That's him. He did an interview where he said, they were like, well, why are you in so many movies in such a short amount of time? He's like, because with these looks, I got to get what I can <laughs> like and get it. He's like, I'm just going to burn through everything, make my money and retire somewhere. So right. I, I, I think it's great. I mean, it, it really is. Make your money while you can and just do it. <clears throat> but something I want to ask you is um, being an actor and just being – out there where there's so much scrutiny and people will look at everything you do and judge it with a fine tooth comb. They're going to go over your whole entire career and just look at everything you've ever done. I think actors are some of the most self-confident people out there because you're putting yourself out there for for scrutiny. How do you deal with negativity in such an industry where you, 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 you literally put yourself out there for people are going to talk about whatever they want and, it, it, it's 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 something that I admire in actors and actresses, like just the fact that you guys have the confidence to do it. Because I couldn't. There's a lot of people I couldn't. That's why we don't do it. So, <laughs> yeah. That. Well, it's, you know, it's hard. There's different parts to it. So, like the part that you know, the fact that I have to go into an audition. Like people talk about job interviews and how stressful they are, right? The right. idea of being unemployed and then having to do a job interview job. That's what we do. That's our career. Our career isn't as much acting as it is job interviews. And so we're professional auditioners. We're professional interviewers. So we go in, we read for, read for a role, right? We're reading lines. And people judge us in the room as to whether we were good or not. And that part, I think, takes a toll on people. That's a part where, like, you really have to flip your mindset and go, this has to be fun, too. You know, this has to be part of it. If I don't get it, it's fine. I just did what I had to do and I leave. And that takes sometimes a while, it took me a while to get to that place where I'm not worried so much. You know, there's a subtle thing actors do, and that's what I tell people when I coach them sometimes, but you know, there's a subtle thing actors do that's very hard to get rid of, which is once you're done auditioning, you look up at the casting director for validation. And it's such a two-second thing. It's literally minuscule, but it's it shows the casting director, shows people in the room 
that like you need someone's approval and that kind of energy plays into how you approach a character because you're more in some ways just subtly more concerned about getting the role and being good and having someone like you more than the actual role you ought to play. Because if you are fully invested in that role, you're probably not going to be quite as aware of who, of what that casting director thinks of you, right? So yeah. that part's very odd and off-putting for we, you know, for us to like move through. Some people are really good at it. Most people, I think, aren't. Um, so there's just something about that thing where you kind of have to go, okay, get rid of the fact that these people are judging you. Get like, like, shake off the fact that like. You know they they you know are telling you they're deciding whether your your fate's in their hands. They're deciding whether you get the and I and I get why people do it. Like if you think about it logically, actors um, they spend years not making money, right? They mm-hmm. spend a lot of money putting into their careers. I mean I, I have to tell you I've spent a thousand dollars on headshots on professional headshots and I've mm-hmm. taken multiple rounds of headshots. So you can only imagine how many how much money I put in just for headshots. Mind you, I've also, I mean, the expenses we have as actors are insane. We have monthly fees for different websites that we belong to. We have our own website that we have our domain name for. We have a hosting service for. We pay for both. We do um, classes all the time. We have to keep taking classes. We have to keep taking workshops with people in the industry. All that costs a lot of money. I mean, the, the expenses go on and on and on. So if you think about how much money a given actor spends on their career, let alone the lack of money they make on their career, so then they need those survival jobs, right, what people call, to, like, pay for all this stuff. And so you're really not making a lot and you're spending a lot, right, on your career and investing in yourself, hopefully. And then you get that audition. How can you not be nervous? Right. Just theoretically, like it makes sense. It makes sense that like all of a sudden you get a role and you think to yourself, oh, I get this role and how much money I'm going to make. I mean, it's it's a very like like feast or famine type industry where like the top one percent or less than one percent are making so much money. Mm-hmm. And then most people aren't. So you think to yourself, well, if I get this job, not only will I, you know, this help me with my career, but I'm going to make a quick thousand dollars for the day, less than the day. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, you think to yourself, that's, that's crazy. I want that. Of course, you're going to be nervous for when you go in. So you kind of just have to develop these, like these, like strong, like a strong sense of self. I, I recommend people to find other things that they love doing other than acting that they can get validation and self-love from that they don't have to only rely on auditions for potential validation so you don't rely you know what i mean does that make sense oh no that makes perfect sense because essentially you're betting on yourself yeah and when you're taking your, your your last couple dollars to to get headshots or whatever it is and then you go to this role you 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 kill it and someone else gets it and you just go back home and you're like that could have been me i can only imagine what kind of shell you guys need to, to go out there, put yourself out there, better yeah. yourself, and and just this, hey, this is it, all or nothing. I, I, I've had I've had casting directors say to me, I think you're going to get this one, and then I don't. You know what I mean? Like that's so. I've had parts that I've booked on television, two television shows, not one but two. It's very rare this happens, and it's happened to me twice. I've booked two television shows where they've canceled it before I've gotten to even film. And so what that means is, so it's one thing to get cut. So when what getting cut from something means you filmed it and then they cut it because they realized, you know, the episode was long or the movie was long. That's happened to me too, by the way. It's very common. What's not common is being booked and then canceled before you even get there or you before you even wake up that morning because 
and, and those are for the same reasons. They might have, like, for one of them, they told me they cut out the whole scene. So it's nothing to do with me. They just didn't want to do that scene anymore. But you just think to yourself, like, there's all this self-doubt that comes up. There's, even though it's not, shouldn't be, and everyone will tell you it's nothing to do with you. You just think to yourself, well, why me? Why does this happen? You know, like, I worked so hard. I was so excited about this one. Um, but you, you just, there's such a crazy business. These things come up all, I remember the first thing I ever booked was a movie with, um, Colin Farrell, Will Smith, uh, Jennifer Connelly. It was called Winter's Tales. The first big thing I ever booked. I was so happy. I had one line. I was thrilled and I got to set. It was amazing. It was one of the best days ever. I was like, this is it. I'm just going upwards from here. And everyone told me on set it was the most beautiful shot. They were like, there's no way that, don't worry, there's no way they're going to cut this. This is so gorgeous. We just saw the footage. It's stunning. They're just not going to, and I was like, hopefully, whatever. I was invited, you know, obviously a year or two later, whenever it was out, I was invited to the cast and crew screening. I got a haircut. I got a whole new, like, outfit. My mom came with me. We got to the set. We got to the uh, theater. It was all these actors, not all the famous ones, but most of the major ones. And we sat down in the center of the theater. We were so happy. And I knew exactly when my scene was going to be. And I knew exactly when it was cut. <laughs> and I had to turn to my mom in full hair and makeup and like clothes and say, Mom, my scene was cut. And she was like, well, maybe they'll put it somewhere else. So we waited the whole film. And obviously, they didn't put it somewhere else. I, was, I ended up being on the deleted scenes. So at least I got that. But that happens. That's a common story. That's going to be a story I tell on a talk show one day. But that... You know, it's such a weird industry to have, you know, things kind of come at you and you kind of have to be like, well, you want to keep going anyway. <laughs> now, is there still this whole because I know with COVID-19 and everything going on right now, it, it, it must be hard to uh, get out there and, and, and do anything right now. And everyone's life's been paused due to the pandemic. Yeah. How has that affected you? In particular, as far yeah. as and, and, uh, getting roles and just working. Well, the whole industry is down, right? And when I say down, I mean very little is filming, very little, especially union projects. There's non-union projects and union projects. I can only do union projects. The non-union stuff may be started already because they're not under the like rules of the union, if that makes sense. So some of those have already started and they've created their own rules for that. Um, so I haven't done any of that. Um, but all the major TV and film and stuff, uh, TV and film, some of it's come up. Most of it has not started up again yet. I think they're kind of waiting for other people to do it so they could learn from them. Um, so slowly auditions are happening. Um, throughout the whole pandemic, I got, you know, I, I got, I was very lucky. I got some really cool auditions. I auditioned for Star Trek. I auditioned for a couple commercials. I auditioned for a Hallmark movie or some sort of Christmas movie. I don't know for sure if it was Hallmark. So I still got auditions, but it was very few and far between the Star Trek one was not even for immediate. It was like, a, when we do film it, we are starting to look into people now. So I don't even know if they're starting up. I doubt it. But very few productions are actually starting up, which means that everyone else is just in a standstill. Anyone I know who's in theater are out of jobs for the foreseeable future. Like they know that like the major the like theaters are not opening up till next year. Film, TV and commercials are going to open up or have been opening up just on a very specific small like basis, you know, depending on what they can do and 
you know, every once in a while you'll hear, like, I think Robert Pattinson was just filming Batman and he got COVID. So like, you know what I mean? Like you just, you want to be safe. And so I I think it's going to be very slow. Um, How is it for me? I've been pretty lucky, like I said, with all that stuff. And I just found so much love and happiness with my podcast. I have to tell you, it's just been so much fun, um, as you as you know. And mm-hmm. I just feel like that's been one of the best things to happen to me. So it's not like I'm grateful for this period of time, but like I'm so grateful for what I've been able to take out of it, which is how much I enjoy doing this project that I can create on my own. I feel like a lot with acting, you know, unless you make your own project, which some people do and I have done, um, for the most part, you're waiting for someone to give you a job. And what's great about my podcast is I don't have to wait for anyone. I just, I can do it on my own. Absolutely love that answer because podcasting, like we've been doing it for almost two years now. And I understand that, you know, a lot of people are home right now. I think they said something crazy, like 900,000 plus podcasts were started wow. in the past few months since the pandemic. Wow. So it's kind of like a drop of blood in the swimming pool. It's like, where do you, <laughs> you know, it's it's like you're, you're so minute at, at, at this point when, when you think about it, but I, I, I like the fact that you're in control of all the content, the fact yeah. that you, you can build your audience, you can have conversations like we're having right now, just you, yeah. you just people in general. And it, it's funny because you mentioned the, the whole Will Smith thing, and we had uh, uh, Karen Parsons from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on our show. Oh, so nice. We this weird six degrees thing going on now. Where yeah. It's kind of intertwined. some commonalities there. <laughs> exactly. People. Yeah, no, it's been great, too, because I think also with my podcast, not only do, like you said, like we said, I have that agency, I can now kind of create my own stuff, but also it's servicing my, it's servicing networking for me as an actor, because everyone I'm interviewing, for the most part, it's a good person to know as an actor. Like, they might not directly help me, they might not directly, but even just the information, knowing about what their role is, has been incredibly helpful. So, so my podcast is, is I should probably mention it, um, but my oh, podcast okay. is called Mentors on the Mic. And so I uh, interview accomplished mentors in the industry, in the entertainment industry, about how they started and how they moved up. So it's a really interesting sort of, I start off with like, how did you start in the industry? And we end off with where they are. And it's really like, you know, these these are normal people, mind you. They're not like these famous celebrities. They're just very fascinating stories. And as an actor, I find I get so much from each interview. Like I, I would interview. Um, like the first one was obviously really cool because he was he's this big Hollywood director producer. So I interviewed him about his experiences and how he moved from producing to directing. And he directed an episode of Agents of Shield, for instance. Right now, that's an LA-based show, so I wouldn't have as much of an opportunity to audition for that. I, it's possible, just a little bit less likely than if it was a New York show. But it's still good for me to hear on his side as the director of that episode. He did two episodes, actually. But the director of those episodes, where he's coming from, how much say he has in casting, what it's like to direct something that big. Um, So as an actor, that helps me. Uh, As an actor, it helps me a lot of the things he said. But even I, I, you know, I interviewed the director of strategic research at NBC. So she would talk about the Nielsen ratings and and you know, how, how monitoring the ratings for each show and for each network and how different it is and how she went from where she is. And so a lot of my 
podcast, a lot of my audience is not even just people who are starting out in the industry or who are actors, but also people who want to move up and might not know what else is out there for them. They think, how do I leverage the experience I already cre- you know, have done in the industry? And how do I pivot during this crazy time? How do I apply for something else? How do I you know, reach out to someone to maybe help me? Now people are reaching out through these mentors that they see that they hear on the on my podcast and go, hey, I heard this podcast, I heard this episode. Can I ask you a question about this, that, and this? And it's led to conversations. So, you know, last week we had this guy who's the editorial analyst at Netflix, and he's also a writer. So what his his advice was kind of similar to what we talked about before, which is don't only do one thing. He's like, I'm a writer. I I've, I've written you know, TV movies, I've written web series, I've written all this stuff, I have an agent, but I also work for Netflix as an editorial analyst and it all helps me. And he's like, don't just limit yourself. And I'm like, yeah, don't, won't limit, yeah, I won't, I won't, you know? Sure. No, I, I, I think it's great. And I, and I was checking out some of these episodes. Uh, the Hollywood director was Stan, Stan Brooks. Stan Brooks, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, the NBC lady, her name was Carrie Burney. Carrie Burney, yep. Yeah, and, and Aaron, I, I don't want to butcher his last name. Arun Naranyan. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> but like, He does it really cool, by the way, if you ever want to check it out, ArunConsiders.com. He has this really fun, funny web series, and one of the episodes is like Arun Considers His Name, and it's how everyone butchers his name. And it's really <laughs> well, funny, and he's like, he totally takes a you know, crack at it. It's really good, but yeah. Narayanan, it's Narayanan. Now I remember, it's Narayanan. Thank you for bailing me out because you would have had some some content for his episode right there if I would have tried. No, but right? I think it's really cool. And and the good thing about podcasting is it, it does give you these like deep diving conversations where you would normally never hear these conversations out there. And that's something that I feel like we lack in society today. Yeah. It's just people talking. I mean, we've had people on our show where we don't necessarily agree on religion, uh, politics, but we have conversations. We learn, we grow, and we become friends afterwards. That's just how exactly. this whole thing should be. And I feel like I what agree. you're doing is really cool. That's why I'm, I'm a big fan of the mentors on the Mike podcast. I think it's Thank really you. cool. I really oh. appreciate that. Yeah, I'm getting some really good people on upcoming episodes. Next week is a Tony-nominated director. She was uh, nominated for a Broadway show. She's also directed TV and film. I have a couple other people on the podcast, uh, including TV writers, agents, and managers. I don't know if I mentioned it, but the casting director who cast me in Homeland, she's going to be on the show. So it's like I was able to get people that I know from my own network, you know, like agents and managers and like the casting director who cast me in Homeland. That's pretty cool. But also people I don't know. So it's expanding my network and like, you know, strengthening my existing network, if that makes sense. Oh, no, I, I, I think it's great. And right now is the best time with everyone home right now and no one has anything to do. Now's the best time. Exactly. To get- have you found that out, too? That like, have you found that like a lot of your guests are like, yeah, I'll talk, you know, I oh, don't really I- have very, very much else to do right now. Oh, absolutely. Like I've had people, you know, like like my, my email, it's, it's kind of hard to get back to people sometimes because it seems like the influx is there. Like people are just looking for something, yeah. some sort of way to get their creative outlet, just way to pass the time, really. Right. So, something I do want to ask you about is the seedy underbelly of Hollywood. And what I mean by that is like you see a lot of these cases and um, and, and I was going to take like a little bit of a weird turn here. But I, I just want to know from your experience, have you ever seen this going on with like people, you know, the whole casting couch mentality? Because I've never been in Hollywood. I've never been invited to anything. I've never looked to get into this career. So my knowledge is, is very severely limited to what I see and hear on tv 
do you see or have you ever seen? And, and please, you know, I would yeah. never ask. No, 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 it's not a big deal. Yeah, I mean, but go on. Have you seen someone get ahead when they didn't deserve it because of the the quote unquote dark side of Hollywood, where you do a favor for me, I'll get you in this role? Have you ever seen that? I have not. Okay. I'm sure it exists. I know it does, but I just have not seen it. Or at least not like willingly been able to see it. Like it's not like I've been privy to that information gone, oh, that's how she got the part or that's how he got the part. Um, so no, that hasn't happened to me. I've had some CD stuff happen. Like I, you know, I've been very fortunate by the way, not, like nothing really major. So I can't really complain. I know other people have had it much worse, but um, you know, I, there's a couple moments here and there where like, someone you know met with me on the pretense of wanting to help me in my career and then you you know they hit on you like pretty outrageously and you're like oh so that's where okay so you're just interested in this got it this feels shitty you know like this is yeah. such a turn i don't know if i could curse oh um, you can assume curse i can because i've listened to it before so i should just assumed but <laughs> um yeah i feel like so i've seen that happen and that's really disappointing i've only met those people in public places so i've never really felt like it's going to turn in a way where i'm like in danger but i you know it's it's really on it makes you feel really gross and icky to be someone in a situation thinking someone is going to help you with your career like they say and then all of a sudden they take a turn and they're like they say some weird stuff to you and you're like oh yeah i don't think anyone should have people say this to you uh cool glad we're having this conversation and i want to go um but i've never had a situation where you know most of the casting stuff i've been a part of has all been legit there's been a couple scams like i have stories about scams but nothing like casting couch related that's interesting that you mentioned the scams because i you know like i I have a very horrible memory, but I do remember one time my friend and I, and I used to live in New Jersey, there was some kind of agency in like Manhattan at the time where like you, yeah. you, you call up this number and they call you back within like an hour or something like that. And you're like, okay, you give us a thousand bucks. You come up here to this location at this time and day. And then you uh, just become an actor. And my parents didn't care. They were like, I oh, just go, just go ahead and have fun. Right. And we, we never went my friend cause we couldn't muster up that kind of money. Yeah. Kind of what I wanted to segue into here was like, how supportive were your parents and did they like how good were they as far as keeping you grounded? Like maybe like your, your head was getting a little big or anything like that. Were there any moments like that where you're like, Hey, I'm a, you know, big deal or I'm somebody. And yeah. Like, how'd your parents help you out there? Never, never the latter. I've never had a situation where my parents have had to take me down a notch. If anything, I put too much pressure on myself and they have to bring me like up a notch. They'll be like, don't you know, you're doing well. This is just part of the whole process, that kind of thing. Um, My mom's my parents are divorced, but they're both, you know, friendly with one another. So they talk. But um, they're both really supportive of my career. My mother has very much in, you know, growing up or at least in the last few years have has hoped that I'd like changed my mind. So it's like this fine line between I really support you and you're really good, but this is a you she'll say to me, you chose such a hard industry. Like you chose such a hard industry. Don't you want to do something else now? Like don't you just want to try something else and cuz in her head she's like, you know, you have this college education, you're really smart, you have so much going on, you've done so much already. Why not do something else that's less crazy, less dependent on other people giving you roles. And although it sometimes has hurt, other times I'm like, no, I hear what you're saying. Like it logically makes sense. Um, and if I didn't, li- and I, I would say to her, and I remember I used to say this line to her, 
I wish I sometimes want, I sometimes wish I wanted to do something else. Or I sometimes wish I didn't want to do this as much as I do because I love acting. Like I love the feeling of being an actor and being in the role that you're given or you're, you're making for yourself and just the flow that happens. It's the same flow. I think any creative person does like whenever they're writing or whenever they're performing or whenever they're doing something somewhat creative, even a podcast. Like I feel like there's, there's something to be said of just this flow of like you've lost track of time and you're like super present in the moment at the same time you're just enjoying yourself and that's what acting gives me and I've I've had that from from a young age like I've been very fortunate to have a passion when some people never have passions or like never mm-hmm. know how to look for passion so I've felt very grateful for that but in some moments I'll be like god why didn't I want to do something else like my life probably would be a lot easier if I didn't need to do this um, but then I wouldn't get the same level of excitement and joy that when I, when I do get a role and when I do get to perform on TV or film or whatever commercial. So like all of it's exciting. Like if I'm in a commercial for just, you know, and commercials are short and they're just only a few hours usually of filming, it's still so much fun. You know, like I enjoy it immensely. So I don't know. It's this weird sort of balance where like, that's the only thing, like on one hand, my mom's super supportive. She thinks I'm great. She thinks that I'm good. She, she'll say to me, she's like, I think she's like, I believe you're going to do, you're going to be successful. You're more successful at this even. She's like, I feel like you're going to, you know, be on a major television show and not have to worry about any of this anymore for a long time. But until you get there, she's like, I want you to find other things that you love doing. So she's really enjoyed seeing me do some of the stuff I've done the last couple of years, whether it's like I'm teaching public speaking and communication skills. I love doing that. So she loves that I have that. She loves that I now have this podcast. She loves the podcast. She listens to every episode. She's so cute. Nice. Um, so yeah, parents are super supportive for the most part, but they just want me to be happy. And I think that a lot of this industry, like kind of like what I said to you before, it's like important for us to find our own joy and nothing and not just acting because you know, if you don't, you're just, you might, you know, succumb to like all the rejection and stuff and take it personally. And mm. then, you know, you're not going to be happy for the most part. So have other things that you enjoy doing. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. You're pretty much cheating yourself if you don't unlock your full potential. And right now with the lockdowns and the way things are, I feel like people are starting to unlock their own potential. I mean, like I said, like we've been doing this for almost two years now, but I feel like we've done our best quote unquote work. I don't consider this work. I consider it more fun, like a hobby. Yeah. And I feel like we've done it more because you just have more time to reflect and, you know, kind of like do some kind of self-observation where you realize who you really are. But I want to ask you, though, uh, what is your fallback if acting doesn't work? What would you be doing if this doesn't go the way you want it to go? That I don't know yet. I think I went into this business thinking I'm going to have no fallback and I still kind of don't. But what instead I do is I just explore my other strengths and talents and see where those take me as well. Um, one of my episodes, I, I talk about this a lot, but one of my episodes, I uh, the second episode, I interview these two girls who are actresses. They're, they're actually contemporaries of mine. Uh, one of them is a really good friend of mine, too. And she they they just started a podcast like three years ago, two years ago about their love of Hallmark movies. And after <laughs> a year of doing it, they reached out to the CEO of Hallmark. And they pitched them these different ideas of collaborating with them. They're like, we heard you're doing a podcast. We'd love to collaborate with a podcast. We'd love to like produce it with you. These are some things we could do. And after a few weeks, the CEO got back to them. and was just like, yeah, come in for a meeting. Like that was it. And they came in for the meeting. And now they're the official podcast for Hallmark. 
right? That's incredible. Incredible. Insane. Like, just amazing. And then on top of it, they've gotten all these other opportunities for do- from doing that. So, for example, like a few months to a year later after starting that, you know, now having this sponsor, this network sponsor, one of the movies wrote them each a small role in their Hallmark movies. They were flown to Ohio to film a Hallmark movie where they now are acting in it. That's incredible. It is. So it's a very full circle moment, but I really feel like that's part of it. This idea of like finding other stuff that you love doing will only help the thing that you love, like or the other focus that you had, like creating more opportunities for yourself in any which way. And there's so many stories like that. And I, I think about a cousin of mine who really wanted to be this like famous singer and he really worked at it. He had this great EP. He really did as much as he could for it. And then, you know, now he writes music for Disney. And he loves it. Like, and, you know, and I remember there was one song he wrote for Disney for a, for one of his shows that he, he does. He wrote the song for Disney and Disney asked them to, uh, asked him to be in their music video for the song. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not performing really anymore. This is not the same. I'm not like performing in front of the screen. Like, this is not... It's like I'm, I'm way past that now. It's been a few years since I've, I've tried that angle. And they're like, no, no, we want you. So it's like a full circle thing. Like the same with the Hallmark girls. They got their own role. He got his own music video from Disney. Like it was just this whole like that's what I think happens when you are using your strengths and talents and finding joy in other parts of your life. It's going to serve you in that other thing you wanted. So instead of maybe looking at it, I don't really look at it like what's my fallback. I look at it like how do I explore the other things I enjoy and that I'm good at that could also give me love and like attention and like happiness and money, maybe all that stuff. And then even if I need to lean on that more than I would acting for a while, like for now, instance, for instance, because there's not much going on. I, you know, it doesn't mean I'm no longer an actor. Of course I am still going on auditions. I'm still an actor, even if I wasn't going on auditions. But I think there's just this element of like, you know, instead of looking at it as a fallback, it just expand yourself to thinking that you could be more than one thing. You could do more than one thing. Now, do you find the coaching or the acting more, more rewarding? Mm-hmm. I've always felt like the acting part is it hits this like very specific place in myself. Like just because I've been doing it since I was a kid, I just, it's like, there, it's like an otherworldly feeling. So I would say acting because, you know, you just, when I do it and it's, it's just like, even if it's only one line or if it's a full, like large part in a show, like I just love it. Right. And so there's that, that I really haven't ever had anything to compare it to quite as much but I will say the coaching and the like I teach public speaking and like even this podcast like I get so much joy from it like I like I'm so silly and cheesy but I do like I really enjoy like I get up like I coach someone like I, I like this private client that I have where I teach public speaking on FaceTime now right um I really enjoy it like I get off and I'm like I really, I know I'm getting paid for this, but like, I really liked doing that. So I really, um, it's hard to compare because acting is just, it hits this like, like place that like no other does, but I'm really enjoying that these other things give me so much joy too. Like, it's like, oh, it's like almost like I've allowed myself in the last couple of years to like experience joy doing other things and not feel like it's a threat to my acting. I think that's really cool. But has there ever been someone that you coached and you see them excel and maybe there's like that moment of like, hey, I taught them that, you know, like, is there any kind of like jealousy or anything like that where maybe like you see someone excel to a point that maybe you uh, 
kind of like wish you were at because when I think of acting and like I said, I'm very naive to this whole thing is I feel like there's so much competition. There's so much animosity because you seem like someone who's really got their head on straight. And I've gotten that from our hour of speaking so far Yeah, that like, maybe like you wouldn't have those feelings. Like, do you see that? Or maybe like you, you felt those feelings. How do you keep it down? That kind of uh, question I posed to you here. Yeah, it's there. I just don't, actively try to see it like I feel like we're all just in this like we're all like what's that thing that like I think there's a part of your brain I think it's the amygdala where like it filters what you see and it often filters stuff you see in a negative way like just based on like fight or flight and like you know evolution we have to kind of see the negative things that might hurt us so we're programmed to do that I feel like I've programmed myself I know that sounds crazy I've programmed myself over the years to not look at that stuff to not look at the competition stuff to not like look at other people and go, oh, they have something I don't. Why are they booking and I'm not? It's a process. It's stuff that I still have to sometimes work through depending on what triggers me. But for the most part, I really only surround myself with people who are positive and happy for me and uh, vice versa. And I'll give you like, uh, you know, a moment. (laughs) This was like, I joined a bunch of new Facebook groups to promote my podcast that had to do with actors. And I, I joined one with like 6,000 followers and I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a new community of people that I can connect with. And the guy who ran it, so, so full of himself, very like L.A., <laughs> not in a bad way, just like sometimes I feel like the L.A., you know, actors have a specific way about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, lo- I have great actor friends from L.A. I'm not insulting them, but he just was very like full of himself. And I thought to myself, oh, he lives in L.A., doesn't he? That sounds awful, but whatever. I don't mean to insult anyone. Please don't cancel me. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so he um, he right away wrote to me and was like, "Hey, Michelle, um, you know, nice to meet you. Thank you for trying, you know, for for trying to join this group." He goes, "Before I accept you, I just want to, you know, I always do this with everybody." And he didn't say it as nice as I am saying it, by the way. But he's like, "I just wanted to ask, you know, just wanted to say to you, please don't promote yourself in any way or your work." If someone asks a question and you want to answer it, fine. But really try not to answer the questions because I'm looking at your, your. Uh, basically, there's a website that actors use called Actors Access. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm looking at your Actors Access profile and you don't really have enough for me to feel like you qualify to be a mentor. Wow. And I was like, whoa. I was like, I've never been talked to that way. He was like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, if you look at my IMDb page, you look at this person's IMDb page, they have a lot of stuff that they've done. And you you really just haven't. And so I feel like if anyone asks a question, please don't feel free to answer. Um, as long as you're OK with that, I can admit you in the group. Mm. And I was so thrown because you never think you're going to join a freaking Facebook group and get that kind of reaction. And it took me a second. I was like, no, I've done a lot. What are you talking like? And I said to him, I was like, you could look at my website. Like, and he said something like, you know, if you're not a professional, I'm like, I am a professional actor. I get paid for this and I'm in the union. And I'm like, why am I justifying myself? This is ridiculous. And so he was trying to talk to, he was giving me advice too, like about, how to present myself as an actor differently. And I was like, so the point is, is that there are people like that. There are people who are so full of themselves that they feel the need to compare or bring other people down. You know, he's done a lot of stuff. He's not done a crazy stuff. It's not like any of us know him, mind you. But he, you know, he's done some stuff. He has a, he's also much older than me. So there's that too. Um, but I said to him, I was like, the only thing I would promote really is my podcast, which is really interviewing other mentors. Not that I don't think of myself as a mentor. I do. It's just a different type of mentor. And he was just like, oh, well, eh, it's fine. 
fine. But but just really, I just want to make sure you understand that we don't want you to have to answer anything because we don't think you've done enough. And when you say we, he, he means him. Um, and I kind of only I think he admitted me into the group and I quickly left the group. But Good. I guess my point is, yeah, it's ridiculous. But my point is, is that there are people like that. And I just try not to like surround myself with people like that who who compare IMDb pages. I don't know anyone who compares IMDb pages. I'm really confident in my IMDb page. Um, but he you know the fact that he would, you know, compare and judge and and literally like try to make me feel bad about it. I was like, I purposely don't associate myself with people like that. And um I don't really feel like I said the like comparison of like why is that person getting stuff I'm not, especially in the people I coach because there's something so gratifying of seeing them do well. There's something really gratifying being like, I helped you unlock something in you. You know, like we as a collaborative thing got you to a place that like got you that. And like, that's so cool. You know, there's something about seeing someone excel or like let, get have their dream come true. Like I truly enjoy watching people achieve something. So like if I had any small part in that, I really genuinely mean it. Like that's awesome. <laughs> like there's, that's such a great feeling. Yeah, there's nothing more rewarding than watching your your little baby bird fly for the first time. You know, it's it's, it's something really yeah, cool. Just absolutely. to bring it back, to that guy, man, that guy really irritates me. That Facebook guy you're talking about, because I've dealt with a little bit of this. And yeah. you know, when we first started the podcast, and we were reaching out to other shows, and we were kind of getting big leagued a little bit until our numbers hit a certain point. And what I've always <clears throat> despised about the podcast game is like. There's such a large, and just like I said about the drop of blood yeah. size swimming pool, you're, you're, you're that small. We can all help each other, and that's I, the thing. Yes, I agree. And I, I try to surround myself with people like you who, who really do feel that way because that's how I feel. And I think life is too short to think of it like otherwise, to think of yeah. it that like you can't help someone who's just starting their podcast or you can't talk to someone who's like, you know, competing with you on your level, because what, what, what does that mean? It's not like exactly. just because I listen to your podcast, I can't listen to his podcast. Like there's no rule. It's the same with TV shows. If I watch one TV show, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be able to watch the other. There's content for everyone. We can all listen to everything. So I think people are very short minded when they have like such a, like a singular version, like way of looking at the world. That's so negative And so, like that guy is so full of himself that he runs an, a Facebook group of 6,000 and he takes <laughs> so it perfect. that seriously. I was shocked. I really was shocked. Like it almost took me a second. I was like, I should stop engaging with this guy. But like, it's almost like a weird thing that you look at and you're like, oh, you do exist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's a thing that they say. They say absolute power corrupts absolutely. And someone who mm. has the smallest modicum of power where they, they just have a Facebook group that they have 6,000 followers. They think they're a bigger deal than they are, so they want to hold other people down to keep them at a level that makes them feel comfortable holding themselves up to a higher level. So it's like, okay, so I'm your boss because I own you. You're in my group. You have to right. listen to my rules. And people just get off on that kind of thing. And They really so, do. So It's something as small as a Facebook group. How many Facebook groups are there? Millions upon millions. Millions. And, and like you're taking your small tribe that's subscribed to your notions on your Facebook group and just trying to hold people down because it makes you feel like a man. It, it, it's pathetic. So, yeah, it's absolutely pathetic. Now, I do want to get back to your acting really sure. quick because I have a few more things to you. Uh, so when you were becoming into your, your own and you were, you know, doing the acting and just trying to find yourself as an actor, who were some of your inspirations growing up? Ooh, um... 
Okay, so one of them, well, Meryl Streep, but she's everyone's response. But it's true. You watch Meryl Streep, and you it's also you learn from her because not only as an actor and, and what she's done and how she's transformed into her characters, but also the things people say about her is really sweet. So, like, when people say they work with her, they'll be like, like, I remember one thing I heard, and, and this is something I admire with other actors, too, so it'll be something that comes up again with someone else. But they, I remember they were, there was a particular scene that was a lot of people in it that she was in, and they said what was incredible about working with her is every take was different. She brought something new to every take. She wasn't doing the same thing every time. She had something small that affected all of them so much that every take was different because she did something small. And I thought that was so amazing that she's that powerful of an actress, but also that she's able to be so in touch with her character and what she's doing that a slight change can impact everyone in the room so strongly. Um, another person that I've grown to really respect as an actor is Adam Driver because Ooh. of act, act, yeah. So he actually has very similar reviews from other fellow actors that he's worked with. He's someone I really want to work with because they'll say he's so present and drop down as an actor. He's so like committed to listening to you and really being there with you in the scene that it makes you not only feel like a better actor, but you have to step up more because you have to be just as present as he is or like it, it feels off. Um, so people like that, I really admire, um, trying to think of whom else I really love Denzel Washington's work. Like I, I can watch him all the time. My mom also really loves him. So I think we just sit there and we'll watch him at work and we're like, Oh, he's so good. Sure. Um, Reese Witherspoon. I really enjoyed watching because I grew up watching legally blonde and it was really inspiring for me to get into the high school. I went to a really competitive high school in the city and it was right around the time Legally Blonde came up and I just felt like everyone doesn't think I can get into this school. Like, watch me. Yeah. So I was connected with her work, especially since she's done more dramas in the last few years. Um, and I also like that she produces now and she she opens up opportunities for other people. And she was saying when she first opened up her production company that even though she was Oscar winning Reese Witherspoon, no one took her seriously. Like she was like, it's mostly run by men. So she was like, when she started a production company, she really had to fight for it. They only wanted to finance movies with her if she was the lead role. So she sometimes had to take on the lead role, not because she wanted to, or she felt like it was a good fit for her, but because she had to, or it wouldn't be made. Um, but they would give her a lot of no's still, despite being Oscar winning Reese Witherspoon, they were not as quick to take a chance on her. And she had to finance a lot of her original stuff. And now she's this like, very successful producer as well as director. And she also opens the door for other people who wouldn't normally be able to produce as well. So I admire that as well. Yeah, th that's, that's awesome. That's a great answer. And um, something I kind of wanted to piggyback off of here was um, what genre of movies did you like growing up? And is there a certain genre that you prefer to work in or does it mm -hmm. really not matter when you're an artist? Yeah, I think that any work is great. Like, I'm not a horror person. Like, I don't watch horror. But, like, if I was in horror, I would do a great job. And it would be probably really fun. So, you know, that kind of said, like, that So that answer kind of answers that last part. I would take on almost anything except maybe porn because, you know, the specific type of acting. Uh, yeah. But in general, I feel like... Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'd totally be open to every genre. Do I personally enjoy every genre? No, obviously. I think personally I enjoy dramas, comedies, and action movies. So I'd love to be in this really cool badass action movie where I play like a spy or like an FBI agent. Um, and I've auditioned for some smaller roles that are FBI agents on shows and like that kind of thing. And that's been really fun. 
Um, but also just comedies because I like to laugh. Um, and then dramas I enjoy too, so for obvious reasons. So those are the ones that I would like prefer to be on. But I'd be open to anything really because I enjoy acting. Well, so speaking of acting as an actor, when you watch something, do you feel like you watch it with more of a critical eye? And the reason why I ask this is because I was watching uh, – there was a guy, uh, his name is Herman Edwards. He's a former NFL coach. Now he, when he says he watches football games, he can't enjoy them mm. because he watches it with a critical eye. Are you watching certain nuances when you're watching TV and be like, hey, I could have done that better or like she did this wrong or he did that wrong or like yes. why did this person tell him that? Yes. There's very few movies that I forget that I can't, like I, I forget about the fact that it's a movie. It happens. It happens occasionally. I'll watch a movie and be like, oh, God, I really was immersed in that one. Mm-hmm. But it's hard not to have the critical eye. It's not it's hard not to turn to someone and go. They're not really crying. It's like like I know they're not crying. I know those are fake tears. I know huh. that they're not really experiencing whatever pain they're going through. Those are not pain tears. Those are like, you know, when you watch a kid and you look at them and you're like, those are fake you're you know you're just wanting attention that's kind of how it is sometimes when you're watching an actor and you're like you don't really believe what you're saying you know you don't believe what you're what you're like i don't believe you like a lot of a lot of acting is like you have to genuinely feel whatever it is you might look good crying but it might not be genuinely like crying you might just be and, and that's why, I mean, acting is hard that way. Like, you know, you get to a place where you really have to manipulate your emotions and feel feelings that you don't actually have. You have to teach yourself how to feel feelings in a, in a given moment, whether that's substituting, you know, a previous memory you've had or whether that's um, thinking to yourself, like, what would I do if I was in this given moment? You know, you develop tools to be able to do it. But if you watch someone, it's so distracting to watch someone on screen. You're like, I don't believe you. Like, <laughs> this is so off. Like, did you see what they just did there? Do you see how fake that is? And everyone's like, no, I don't see it. Or they do. And they're like, I guess I can kind of see it. And I'll be like, it doesn't bother you. I don't understand. So mm-hmm. that, there's certain things that I'll, t- I'll get right out of it. I'll be like, I can't. This is this is fake. They don't believe what they're doing. How am I supposed to believe what they're doing? Um, but yeah, that's true. And then other times you watch people and you're like, oh, they're so good. They're so good. I believe them. You know, like you feel yeah. it when when they're genuinely feel when an actor is genuinely feeling something. I think that's when us as an audience are like, whoo, I can't even connect with that because of my own. Like, it's not like I have my own, you know, whatever in the family or whatever serious issue that they're going through right now. But that was real. And you feel it. Like, I think we feel stuff based on whether the actor feels it in the moment. Some actors have that gift. And like, I found myself watching movies and TV shows and I'm like, Oh my God. Like I find myself tearing up a little bit. Like I got to leave the room. I, I, I got to pause the TV show and come back because some of them are really good at just bringing you into that character. But how do you do it? Like, what do you do? How do you immerse yourself into a role or is it just a job or do you get into that character, whoever you're playing? How do yeah. you do that? I, you know, it's a good question. I mean, definitely I recommend any actor to go through training because that's really what we're doing. We're developing our toolbox to like be able to do that. And so it's different tools that I use depending on whatever it is. So, you know, sometimes if need be, I'll sit with myself separately and go like, how would this feel? Let me see what I would feel like. Imagine the moment, imagine the situation around me and just play it. 
Other times I need to substitute. Other times I'll be like, oh God, remember that moment when I was feeling really down because of X, Y, and Z? Let me tap into that. Some people will listen to music that makes them feel a certain way or watch a show that makes them, I mean, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but sometimes, like I remember, I remember as a kid, I walked out of Spy Kids, the movie. Oh, and yeah. And I wanted to be a spy. Like, I felt like a spy. Like, my energy changed. I remember walking home and, like, I looked around in a different way. Like, I was looking around and I was thinking, like, I'm a spy. You know, like, I knew I wasn't a spy, but I felt the energy of a spy. And I think that that is kind of the same, that, like, same kid-like imagination as a kid. You're supposed to just have, like, you keep that up as an actor. You just have to keep feeling that you have to keep imagining like mm -hmm. oh i feel the energy of a spy right now i feel like i'm in this situation now and like what would that be like and then explore it in your mind and be like oh when i walk around this person that person's looking at me a certain way you know like mm -hmm. they, they do they know that i'm a spy you know like you just kind of have to keep having fun with that so you really get into that character and it feels really real. So you're not even, at some point as an actor, you don't want to be thinking about your lines. You want to be thinking the thoughts that your character would be feeling or thinking at that time. So instead of being like, what's my next line? I want, I want to be thinking the thought that that actor would, that character would be having in that moment. That's perfect because like I've been Indiana Jones and a Ghostbuster since 1984. So I, I, so <laughs> I, I feel you there. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I only got a couple more questions for you Please. here because I mean, like, I feel like we can go 10 hours. Seriously. Me too. Yeah. This has been great. And that's the beauty of podcasting. Once you, right. once you get going, you build up that rhythm you can keep going. And I know I want to ask you uh, past or present, what is your dream role? If you can delete one actress or actor and put yourself in that role, what role would it be? What movie would it be? What franchise would oh, it be? It would, Oh, this is hard. I really love Jennifer Lawrence's films. And so a lot of her films I would want to replace myself with. So like the first one that comes to mind is Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, um, my God, I love that movie. I love the like how she explores mental illness. Both of them do in the movie. Um, and I think that's really important in society to like explore that type of subject more and, and create like a better relationship in, in society with it. And I just felt like there was something really powerful about how she did it, but I also personally would love to do that. Um, but also she's played all these action movies and like X-Men and hunger games. And like, of course I'd want to be in any of those franchises too. <laughs> um, so, so those are the ones that come to mind right off the bat. That, that that's awesome. Because Jennifer Lawrence, she is a really versatile actress and a lot of actresses and actors in general are only typecast as one person. But with her in particular, you really can't pinpoint one thing because then you get led to the next thing oh oh well she's mystique oh no she's a hunger games chick like no she's done this that you know she's got a very good career so i think that's a great choice she does uh, especially for someone so young oh yeah for sure she's got a bright career ahead of her so good yeah. for her um have you had any bad experiences with actors like like the quote-unquote big stars behind the scenes you don't have to name anybody obviously yeah. kind of oh i would totally name it um, I've had some real housewives people be like super rude and shitty, but, uh, not because I worked with them, but because I've interacted with them in other ways, like in life. Um, but aside from that, no, usually actors are pretty great. I think that in order to get to a certain level of success, you almost have to be really nice. You might be fake, but you might be nice. Sure. Um, I remember when I met Colin Farrell very briefly, 
there was this really great moment where I felt anyway that he gave me like a double look. Like he, we looked at each other and I recognized him and I kept walking and all of a sudden I turned back like, oh my God, that was Colin Farrell. And he turned back too. Of course. And I felt like he gave me, thank you. But anyway, it felt really (laughs) exciting to me. Um, But aside from that, you know, like everyone else, like everyone else I've met, it's been really just chill, really nice. On set, a lot of the actors are just, they're really friendly, but they're also like, they have a job to do. This is their job, so they need to be focused on that. You kind of know to respect that. So some people have their own process. Some actors want to be in character the whole time, right? Like even if it's, if it's off and, you know, their lighting changes and stuff or they, they still want to stay in character throughout. Um, there's some famous method actors like Daniel Day-Lewis. He mm-hmm. had people call him Mr. President even when he wasn't on screen or wasn't like uh, rolling. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I've, I've had some really great experiences with the people, the directors I've worked with, the actors I've worked with. I felt like no one was too diva-like. And in fact, the bigger they are, they sometimes the nicer they are. Really? Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. I saw that you were in an episode of Blue Bloods, right? Yeah. I don't know much about that show except for my wife watching. That's a show with, with, uh, Donnie Wahlberg is in that show, right? Yeah. So I have to ask this question. This is like a vanity question. My my wife loves new kids on the block. She always did. She would kill me if I didn't ask you this question. Did you meet Donnie Wahlberg? And what is he like in real life? Oh, I didn't, unfortunately. Oh. Um, he wasn't in my scene. So unless you're mm-hmm. um, having a scene right before or after with them and maybe get to meet them. The other actors, though, like that were in that scene of mine, like uh, the major characters that were in the scene. I forgot their names off the top of my head, actually, because I don't watch the show. But... <laughs> I'm I'm fine with saying that I already got on. So, um, but they were really nice. Like after the scene, they like, they like shook our hands. They were like, thank you so much. It's been great. I hope you had a good time today. Like they were just so nice. And I, I didn't get a picture with them because at that time I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable asking other actors for pictures. Now I would, but, um, but they would have probably taken a picture with me gladly. So I, I felt really like, the, you know, I could, t- and, and usually I feel like, that comes from the top. Like if you find people, I mean, they're series regulars, but if they're really nice, I feel like the people like Tom Selleck and Donnie Wahlberg, the ones leading the cast are probably really nice too. Cause I usually think that that comes from the top of like how to handle like the other actors, how to handle the extras, how to handle the crew. Like, I think that you take the person above you's lead on that. Mm-hmm. So, or maybe they're just genuinely nice people, but I, I, I can only, share that experience i can't share anything about donnie unfortunately but he seems oh. like a nice guy the thought that matters is that i asked the question so there it you go. A thoughtful husband okay there you are absolutely all right so i just got two more things for you here I yeah mean, like i said i feel like we can go on and on and on but i do have a couple questions here yeah uh have you hit that moment where you got like a weird fan request? Like, has anyone ever like personally reached out to you and say, yeah, I saw you in something. Hey, I saw your hand commercial. Uh, you know, like just weird. Like, has anyone ever asked you? For yeah. Anything? There's been some weird ones where you'll get like requests to be on a show that like barely, like has like one or two episodes and they're very odd. So you're like, this isn't really a show. I think you're just trying to get actors involved. Um, there's that's just, that's not as weird as like um, you'll just get some weird sometimes requests of like, uh, can you send me your headshot signed? Hmm. And I'll be like, I don't know. There's something about just sending. I first of all, I don't know if it's a scam or not, but I don't know. It just feels really weird for someone to just have my picture like 
huh. signed to look at. In fact, maybe it comes from the fact that like that one guy I was telling you about who was saying he was going to help me with my career. One of the things he said to me, I gave him my headshot as like a here's my headshot and resume. And he's like, great, I'll have some I'll have something to stare at in the car on the way home. Oh, yeah, no. I know. So all of a sudden you have this image of like eh, someone staring at my picture and you don't know where that's going. Um, any other weird requests? Uh, that's so weird. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are some odd ones. I, I don't know. I've been pretty lucky. I haven't had anyone ask too weird of a request unless I just ignored it and didn't really think about it again and can't recall right now. But if I think of anything, I'll mention it. It's just, it's just got to be hard being a woman in that industry. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, they look at you as prey because they're like, oh, here yeah. comes girl number 3,000 for the day. Let's just yeah. see what we get out of her. And it's, it's got to be tough. And, and, and I feel for you just being a, a, a young and beautiful woman in the industry Dang. because it's got to be it's got to be tough because men look at you a certain way and they feel like they've got this power over you. And it's, 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 it's just got to be tough. But I've had people represent, I don't want to get too specific, but I've had people <laughs> no, who no. were on my team for like as an actor who mm. have said that I was like the girl that got away. And uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we've never, I've never thought of you that way. You're, you're on my team. You know, like I, I, when I say that, I mean like they're, they're representing me in some fashion. Uh, and that's, that's hard to respond to. Cause you're like, I didn't think that you had that kind of feeling for me, whatever you thought I was having for you is wrong. And it makes you feel weird. Like you're like, you look back at your moments with that person and you're like, did I give them the wrong idea? Did I, I don't think I did. I never did anything where I felt like I was being inappropriate or being, you know, suggestive in any way, but they're now married with a kid. So you're thinking yeah. to yourself, like, this is inappropriate to tell me, especially as a client. Um, so things like that happen. I never really like to name names though, but, but that has happened. So, you know, that makes you uncomfortable because you're just like, man, mm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I thought you were okay. <laughs> well, that's the thing about men. I mean, if you wink at us or smile at us, it's like, oh, she wants me because that's just yeah. this self egotistical thing that we just can't let go. No matter what, like you could be like a 50 year old man with a beer gut. You see some cute young girl at the supermarket wink at you by accident. She's winking at the guy behind you. Not, not you, you know? Yeah. I've had friends. I've had some friends who like, I mean, this is a really serious topic to go into, but I've had some friends who I've spoken to separately. Um, white men prefer like usually not that that's that big of a deal, but I, I wanted to mention that. So they'll say to me, like, especially post me too movement. And they're really selective about how they say this because they don't know how I'll react, but normally I'm fine. I actually am. So I'm a good person to talk to you about that stuff. But he'll be like, I remember one friend of mine was like, you know, Michelle, I feel like post Me Too movement, women used to like I would walk down the street. Now you can't see anyone because everyone's wearing masks. But they'd be like, I walked down the street. I used to like smile at a girl and they'd smile back at me. And ever since this Me Too movement, I feel like I'll smile at a girl and they look down or they look away. And I think that comes from this movement. And I'm like, that's one way of looking at it. And maybe that's true for some people. And in my opinion, um, especially being a girl in New York, like, I mean, I'm born and raised here, so it's not like I feel any which way. But I said, you know, I said to him, I've had the opposite of experience prior to this Me Too movement. Not that I've been a huge part of it, but like, you know, prior to this Me Too movement, if a, if a guy like smiled at me on the street, I would keep walking and I would not respond because you, you even like you said, just a smile sets people off mm -hmm. in a different way. 
right? Yes. So you don't want to give people the wrong idea. You know, if you smile at them in a friendly, sometimes I do smile at people because, you know, you, you can kind of instinctively go, do they mean it ill or not? But I've smiled at people when I was younger and they'll start following you. They'll like start like, like, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is so an invasion of my, you're like following me here or you can't stop talking to me. And I'm like, I don't know how to be rude and say, Hey, I just kind of want to read my book or I just kind of want to listen to my music. So there's this fine line and I'll say, but ever since for me, ever since the me too movement, for some reason, I think it's a subconscious thing. I'm now able to keep my head up when a guy scares, stares at me or smiles at me. I don't feel like I have to be ashamed of it. I don't have to look away. I don't have to look down. I feel a bit more like empowered that like, I don't have to turn away. And if I, if you come up to me and you, you know, say something inappropriate, I can handle it. I don't have to shy away from it. I don't have to be subversive or like, not subversive, but like submissive or, or somewhat ashamed just in case I might give you the wrong impression anymore. So everyone has their own sort of response to different things, but I told him that was mine. Yeah, that's one of those things where I am so happy I was born a man because I feel like we have every luxury in life to not feel that way, that you can't even smile at someone without someone taking it the wrong way. And if you don't smile at them, they're saying, hey, what's wrong with you? Why don't you smile at me? You, you Do you know how many times I've been asked to smile? Like, it's crazy. I, you know, I think about it. I don't get I don't get offended about it. But I remember there's been so many times people say smile like have I'm like I smile enough like I, I'm one of those people that will smile at any any nice person but why should someone tell me that I have to smile because it makes them more comfortable or I feel like men never get told to smile why are women being told to smile it makes them feel better that I smile I don't know yeah. it's a weird thing like it makes like I've had casting directors tell me to smile more in, in auditions they'll be like when you say your name smile more and so now I know to do that, but it sucks that I have to do that. And I wonder sometimes if they tell the men to do that, because I have a feeling they don't. But don't. yeah, you know, I think it's just that women look more approachable when they smile. So people relax a little bit more when women are smiling. And so when they don't smile, you feel like uncomfortable maybe. And, and I get it, but it's just this weird thing in the industry or weird thing in general where like if a woman doesn't smile, they seem either intimidating or a man's ego is, is shot down a bit. Um, you're probably gonna have a bunch of people comment on this. Maybe I don't know how many people write oh. to you after an episode, but this is probably oh, yeah. a little controversial. Um, <laughs> I'm very open to the discussion. I definitely like talking about these type of things because I feel like in order for you know these conversations to be had and people to meet in the middle somewhere, they're gonna have to talk about it. And I feel like people tend, especially with Me Too stuff, don't talk about it enough, um, especially since that part kind of has died down in some ways. So I don't. I bring yeah. it up only because it came up for me. No, yeah. it definitely has. Um, it's it, it's very convenient to use it as a tool, as a weapon against whatever you're trying to fight against. That's all I'm going to say about that because I don't want to get too comfortable <laughs> here. Yeah. But when it's but when that gun is pointed at you, it's like okay, wait a second. I was pointing a finger at you the other day. Now you're pointing it back at me. So now this thing has to go away. That's the whole me too thing. I feel for women. I have two daughters. Uh, they're, they're, they're both in their teenage years almost. So I get it. And, and, and as a father, I'm protective of my daughters and their interests and everything like that. But I don't think every guy's bad. I don't think every woman is, is innocent. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just, let's just treat it case by case basis. You know, that, like that's just the way I see it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, Lastly, let me ask you one more time about this sure. phenomenal podcast, The Mentors Please. of the Mic. 
very, very good show, very informative. I can't believe it because you're such a good guest. You're such a good talker, a good speaker. You've only been doing this for a couple of months now. Where do you see this podcast? Is this just a fad for the lockdowns when you get back to acting? Are you still going to keep this thing going? Where do you see yourself? Oh, in a year I, from uh, What's I your goal? I 100% am going to continue this. I get so oh. much joy just from doing this. It's like I want to grow it and I want to grow the audience and I want to maybe make money from this, all of that. But I just enjoy it so much. So like I'm going to continue doing it because I like having that. Um, but I, what do I see myself? I don't know. I see, I see, you know what I see. And so aside from just, you know, potentially making money from this one day and meeting new people and getting to talk to them and having all these mentors and having a community, hopefully of people who need these mentors and ask questions from each other, et cetera. I would also like to then interview people for, for different, maybe sponsors or different groups of people. Like if, like um, indie films or like, uh, you know, different companies that maybe like I know Rotten Tomatoes also do it, too. They like give yes. people the opportunity, like, you know, I've been doing this for a while to to interview actors or interview people in the industry um, before something comes out. And I want to eventually get to a place where people will maybe hire me to do that for them. Well, I'll tell you what, you are definitely on the right path. I think you, you're, everything you're doing is really good. I mean, I've, I've listened to a few episodes. I'm going to keep listening to more and more, and I hope you do this thing for a long time. Thank Mentors you. on the Mic podcast, phenomenal show. I guarantee you. you guys, if you enjoy this, you're going to enjoy everything she does. It's very, very cool. But, yeah, like if you need any help, you can always reach out because I've been doing this for a little bit. Yeah. I know a couple things I'm going to take you up on this for sure. Thank well, you so much. Please do. I don't want to get me too, but I would like a headshot to put here on the wall in the podcast. Sure. No, that's totally fine. I'm happy to do that. That sounds fun. In case we ever do video, we'll, we'll have these cool things in the background. People have been on the show. So, Michelle, you're phenomenal. Uh, and I wish you all the best of luck in the future. And I hope we can be Thanks. friends. Me too. Next. Make this we are thing. friends. We are there friends. It is. There it is. Me too. I just got me too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please check her out. Do you have anything you want to plug, promote, throw out your social media links, things like that? Sure. Yeah. So um, my social media links at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram and at Mentors on the Mic on Instagram. You can listen to Mentors on the Mic on any podcast platform. Um, yeah. Twitter, Michelle Simone Miller. Um it's pretty much good. I mean, I have my website, michellesimonemiller.com, if you want to see more of my stuff. And that sounds it. Yeah, well, I have one more thing. So I actually just made this really cool giveaway that uh, it's all the top, like, top terminology that actors need to know. So if you're an actor starting out and you want to know what, or just in general, if you want to know what a co-star is or a guest star, series regular, background, what the difference is, what you need to know for each, um, I created this, like, awesome PDF about it. And if you send me, like, a thing on Instagram or whatever that you listen to my podcast and you made, you wrote a review, because, you know, I need, I need some reviews. These things are helpful, as you know. Um, oh, yes. I will send it to you for free. I'll send you this PDF of, like, all the terms that you should know as an actor that's awesome and i think anybody should take you up on that who is looking to get into the you know the the industry hopefully when things from COVID lift you can get back yeah. up you know, auditions exactly. people. i think it's a great uh, thing you're doing there michelle and i wish you all the best and yeah. i want you to come back on the show because i feel like i mean like i've only gone through a few of my notes there's a lot more to talk about. and uh, I'm happy to do so. You're a fantastic interviewer. I'm not surprised at how successful your podcast is. And, you know, even just listening to the episodes I've listened to, like I was so excited to do this today. And, uh, and thank you for having me. And I'd love to be on again.
The check is in the mail for saying those things. <laughs> and I appreciate you for saying those things. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Michelle. Okay, Everybody, check her out. Have a good day.